It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins, just got done grinding the tape from the Dolphins' 16-10 victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to talk about what we saw upon further review. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins, your team Every day, we don't just say it, we live it here on the Locked On Network. And we are back in Club Dub this week after a wee bit of a a hiatus, and it feels really good to be back in this position and know that you have a lot of things to improve upon, uh, a lot of things to aspire for to continue to get better, but you did that in the midst of winning the football game. And that's why I'm very excited to talk about what I saw when I dug into the coach's film and the All-22 of the win on Sunday Night Football. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by Bird Dogs, the most comfortable shorts, pants, sweatpants with built-in liners. Go to birddogs.com, use promo code Locked On, and boom, free Bird Dogs rope hat with your pair of Bird Dogs. We're going to take this thing systemically. Offense, defense, special teams. We'll we'll tuck special teams in the middle. We're going to start on the offensive side of the ball because I'm sure that's where everybody kind of wants to focus. Uh, The return of Tua Tungvaloa, the return of Teron Armstead, uh, the change, um, Greg Little being benched in favor of Brandon Shell, what that looked like. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of good here. Uh, there are some players who, who I look at and I thought they played their worst efforts individually of the season. And this isn't necessarily to call players out and, and trash on players, but you know, I, I think about Tua Tungvaloa and the four performances, the four full game performances that he's had. And I would hold the other three up as better individual performances. Now that's to be expected. He just missed two and a half games. He missed a month's worth of reps. Of course, when you get back into action, things are going to take a little bit of time to get back in rhythm. It's not necessarily a fair expectation. I think you look at Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. And Joe Burrow missed time with an appendix at the beginning of camp. The first two weeks of the season, Joe Burrow was not the Joe Burrow of standard expectation. Now, look at what the Bengals are doing these days. Burrow just put up nearly 500 yards in week seven. As you stack weeks, the little things, and for, for me with two, it was a lot of the little things are areas of improvement. Now, obviously, statistically speaking, it was a productive day passing the ball, a lot of explosive plays, a lot of work in the middle of the field. I thought the Dolphins structurally did a nice job uh, in their strategy of attacking Pittsburgh's defense. They really took advantage of the undisciplined eyes of linebackers Miles Jack and Devin Bush. And those guys are tearing out of there at the first sign of jet motion, or they are tearing out of there pushing to bracket 
If the Dolphins put Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill on the same side of the field, a lot of times you saw four guys bracketing that half the field. I'm not a math guy. But if you rush four and you bracket four against two, what does that leave you on the other side? You got one-on-ones, and that's it. And that's, that's some of the matchups that Miami came to and tried to take advantage of. Um, but for Tua specifically, ball placement, and he, he talked about a lot of this in the post game. Um, rhythm, syncing up the drop. I thought the deep shot they took on third down to Tyreek Hill late in the game going for the kill. Uh, you could, with hindsight, say, oh, well, the corner over on Waddle on the other side of the field fell down. I promise you, nobody, nobody is taking a snap, looking this way, and going to know that the corner fell down over there. It's hard to go wrong with these matchups. Tua saw something he liked in that matchup. But because he took a small hitch at the top, I thought if he was intentional to get to the top of the drop and immediately rip the ball, he could have had a better chance of continuing to leave that throw out in front of Tyreek Hill instead of Tyreek then having to come back just slightly to have to make an adjustment on the football and Terrell Edmonds breaking it up. Uh, but the early, the on-script stuff was really, really good for Tua. And there were some other throws that I thought were, were really good as well. Uh, the throw... To start the two-minute offense at the close of the first half to Trent Sherfield was one of those four-on-two bracket opportunities, and Sherfield's in a one-on-one, and he runs that seam bender, and he ripped that thing right into the belly of Trent Sherfield. That was a really, really good throw. And I thought Sherfield in general uh, played himself a nice game as well. Um, so you saw the flashes, the, the wheel route to bail you out and get a kick there at the end of the first half to Tyreek was a really good ball with touch that Tua pulled the string on and allowed that thing to fade right over the top and drop in. That's a really good touch throw. There were, there were a lot of flashes. There were a lot of flashes for Tua, but the ball placement was not great. Uh, I can think of probably four or five throws he'd probably like to have back and one or two decisions that he would like to have back. That's fine. He got integrated back into the team. He was good on script. I thought he was very proficient at taking stuff underneath. Thought he did a much better job in this game of making sure he was not unnecessarily putting himself in position to take hits. He did extend with his legs a few times. I don't have a problem with Tua going for the first down on third down. He got close. He came up about a yard short. I know everybody kind of held their breath. This is still football. And two in those positions has an opportunity to make sure that he understands he's going to get hit. He can brace himself accordingly. And I thought he did that. Now, the one down in the red zone, and he said to Mike McDaniel, I needed that. Okay, fair play. Don't do it again. Pat him on the butt, and off we go. Um, but I thought he extended with his legs inside the pocket pretty well, too. There were some really good slides in the pocket to step up and avoid edge pressure. Uh, there were one or two times where his eyes dropped because there was a lot of chaos around him. One of them, he ends up getting his eyes back and finds Mostert for the touchdown on the opening drive. And the other one, he gets outside the pocket and, and, and picks up some yards with his legs. I don't think anybody's going to look at that performance from two and give it an A+, especially versus the standard that we've seen set from him intermittently from time to time. That's fine. I will tip my cap to the offensive line. 
This was the best, most complete offensive line performance that you had all season long. Less than 10% of Tua's dropbacks were pressures. The Dolphins called 38 pass plays. Called 38. He didn't necessarily throw it 38 times. But um, I thought Connor Williams, the athleticism popped again in a big way. Teron Armstead, obviously, it's self-explanatory. I'd rather have 60% of Teron Armstead than any other option on the roster. And you got better than 60% of Teron Armstead, and it was great to see him out there and playing at a high level. Uh, probably only one or two reps where he got challenged at all um, because he of how in control he plays. Uh, Robert Hunt with a nice bounce back uh, as well. And I look at Liam Eikenberg and... I thought he did some nice things. I still think his base, I still think his footwork inside at guard, he's very wide-based, and that makes redirections pretty challenging. And what you'll end up seeing is he ends up having to drive and take greater distances with this wide base to get himself reframed. But that takes so long to happen that he either gets himself overextended like he did on the third down run down at the first possession of the second half where Cam Hayward swam over the top of him. Uh, or he struggles to kind of mirror once he gets his hands set. I would challenge you guys the next chance that you get. Watch Connor Williams and watch Robert Hunt and watch their step frequency. When they, when they get engaged and they latch their hands and they're mirroring inside, and a pass rush is trying to work their way around, Right. Watch the feet. The constant, it's a steady pitter-patter. Liam, it's... So that's the area of improvement that I am looking for from Liam moving forward. Now, I thought he got a lot of good push in the run game in some of their instances, uh, and he he identified pressure opportunities, I thought, better with Teron Armstead next to him to pass things off. So steady progress there on the offensive side of the ball for the Miami Dolphins. Last but not least, um, Raheem Mostert. Let's get this guy. Now, he was on the field for 44 snaps. Chase Edmonds only 18. Edmonds, two drops. I thought he missed two cuts, including the RPO on fourth down, down in the red zone, where he got the ball. And if he carries that through the mesh point and heads to the sideline instead of sticking his foot in the ground and immediately peeling back inside where Larry Ogunjobi got early pressure on Robert Hunt, he could have got the corner. He could have. I still think you have a chance with that RPO, and I understand that the Steelers rolled a, a, an extra defender off the edge, so you have somebody to account for both the back and the quarterback. Um but they had Tyreek Hill running some kind of hook. They had Trent Shurfield pushing to the flat. You probably had a better opportunity to pull that ball and throw it. But I understand they got to run key uh, to run the ball in that RPO on fourth down. That much, uh, much questioned decision on fourth down uh, to leave points on the field and not take a two-score lead. Mentioned at the top of the show, bird dogs. Uh, dude, these things, these are Awesome. They are super comfortable. Um, they have the natural, the, the liner inside. So not only is the actual fabric comfortable, but they have the liners that actually fit and carry well and don't end up giving you a wedgie 
uh, in the process. Uh, so they're very fun. I got a pair of the joggers. I got a pair of the shorts. Uh, they are to die for, honestly. Uh, they are higher quality than the likes of Lululemon, but yet $20 less. So what are we talking about? Go buy some bird dogs. We have an opportunity for you. Go to birddogs.com, enter promo code locked on, and they'll throw in a free bird dogs rope hat. That's birddogs.com, promo code locked on, and boom, a free bird dogs rope hat with your pair of bird dogs. The most comfortable shorts, pants, and sweatpants with built in liners. You will not take these things off. I promise you. We're getting close to the end of the year. These days, every potential new hire feels like a high stakes wager into your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates that you are interested in with just the right skills and experience. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I know I said we were going to do special teams next, but we do have to do game management um, because from we, we are also evaluating a rookie coach in Mike McDaniel. And I look at the play calling offensively, and I thought until you ran the ball twice in the red zone, one on a designed run, that Cam Hayward whooped Lee Micahberg in a one-on-one situation and blew up the play. Okay. And then you had the RPO on fourth down and pass to make it 19-10. to 10. Up until that point in the game, I thought the Dolphins, generally speaking, moved the ball at will until you got down in the red zone. And it's ironic because the red zone was one of the areas of the field uh, that Miami came into this game from a conversion perspective, uh, opportunities to touchdowns rated very well. Uh, but that did not play itself out. And I think that's a testament to Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick at least prevented one touchdown single-handedly when he broke up a pass attempt to Raheem Mostert. Uh, across the middle of the field. So, okay, it is what it is. Uh, but after that point, I thought the effort to walk the tightrope of we want to possess the ball, we want to run the clock, or we want to string together drives, the team moved the ball at will until they decided they wanted to possess the ball and, and string together consecutive first downs late in the game. And listen, the guys on the other side of the field, they get they get paid to. And Pittsburgh kind of all committed the run a bunch. Uh, Tua, one of the throws I think he would certainly want back is the final pass attempt he had in the game. He had Hunter Long open on a corner route, was wide open, just put it out in front of him. Instead, he rolls out and he passes on it to come to Tyreek Hill on a crosser, and he leaves it low and behind, and it's almost intercepted in the final few minutes of the game. That's one for sure we'd want back. I thought the Dolphins got away a little bit from the runs that worked. And the runs that worked were outside the tackles. Now, you had a couple in the second half in which you, you ran lead uh, behind Teron Armstead and Alec Ingold. And yeah, that had some success. 
But uh, the outside running game, I thought Miami did a very good job of in this contest. And obviously, this was a complete performance in a lot of ways for the offensive line from a pressures and pass protection standpoint and then also from a run blocking standpoint. But the L's that the Dolphins took were against Pittsburgh's best defensive linemen, who are their interior guys, when they tried to run out of the gun and ride the mesh point across the center. Case in point, those two stuffed runs down there late or early in the second half. Larry Ogunjobi's a good football player. Cam Hayward's an amazing football player. I'd rather run the wide zone and the toss and push those guys and stretch out those linebackers and force them to constantly declare into the right gaps. So I thought they got away a little bit from where they had success. And then I thought the tightrope opportunity and then the actual decision-making to pass on the field goal, you want to be aggressive, great, be aggressive. But with the way the game had played out, I understand you'd be probably tired of settling for field goals. Make it a two-score game, right? Mike McDaniel said that wasn't pushed by analytics or anything. That was his gut. Okay. Learning opportunity for a coach managing a game. I'm sure they'll handle it. There's, if it works, you're a genius, right? And if it doesn't, then you're the goof. Uh, fortunately, the Dolphins survived that judgment call from Coach McDaniel, and, and we'll see what it looks like moving forward. But uh, this was the first game the Dolphins really got the game script of, hey, we're going to jump on you early and try and smother you. And I thought they got too far away from what was working in an effort to smother you and close the game and they ended up stopping moving the football with consistency. From a special teams perspective, shout out, it's the usual suspects, Thomas Morstead and the Gunners. I thought played really good, Bethel and Campbell. Um, shout out Jason Sanders. Obviously, Sanders is a different animal these days, inside of 50 versus outside of 50. I believe he's 2-9 and nine since the start of last year. Outside of 50 yards. That changes your target window for, for when you're going to consider running the field goal unit out there. But um, he made all of his kicks in this game, and the Dolphins needed him to make all of his kicks in this game. So appreciate seeing that bounce back uh, from Jason Sanders on special teams. Defensively, the Dolphins' young guys are really shining right now. Javon Holland, Jalen Phillips, these guys are dudes. They are difference makers. Christian Wilkins as well, uh, playing well. Uh, but Holland was really fun watching both sides of the ball in this game and getting a chance to evaluate Javon Holland as a direct foil to Minka Fitzpatrick when watching the Dolphins offense in the same game. And I will say this. I am of the belief that Javon Holland, when compared to Minka Fitzpatrick, is a better tackler, a more physical overall player, and his trigger to identify plays is every bit as good, if not a touch better. I just hope we all appreciate just, and I know we do, 
Uh, but but it's this is me giving Javon his flowers uh, for a phenomenal performance against Pittsburgh. Obviously had the interception. It was a big moment. The Steelers got down to the 15-yard line before they had some self-inflicted wounds that pushed them back. Uh, they had an illegal shift or an illegal motion uh, and then a holding penalty that pushed them back 15 yards, and that was where Javon rolled from a too-high safety shell and rolled down to break in front of a dig route uh, and intercept Kenny Pickett. And it was fun to see. One of the things that's fun when you watch the L22 is you see how everybody sees and feels the game. And seeing how Javon Holland and Xavier Howard both have the same rare vision for like what's happening. Like they see it two steps ahead of everybody else defensively. And that's not a slight to anybody else. It's just that that's a special talent that both of these guys have. They have a special eye for the game. And as Javon starts to drive on the dig, Xavier, before Javon's hands even touch the ball, he's jumping in the air. He knows it. He feels it. He sees it happening. And then Javon makes the break and everybody else gets on their horse and they run down there. And uh, But that, that individual play was very, very cool to see. Two elite ball hawks in the same unit identifying what is happening and knowing the stakes that, that it is going to mean for the team and knowing that the play is going to be made. Uh, Jalen Phillips... If if you asserted that Jalen Phillips was an unproductive or not valuable football player in the first month of the season, please consider crossing out the name of the Tua Tungavaloa apology form, write in pen Jalen Phillips, and go ahead and send one in. He, again, was a man possessed. The range, the effort, the explosiveness – Outside pass rushes, inside counters on tackles that overset him, inside pass rushes, stunt and twists in games in which he's looping inside and getting in the face of Kenny Pickett. Two or three plays where he's on the backside of a scramble away or a play away, and the first one is a throw to the tight end, eight yards downfield on the opposite side of the field, and Jalen Phillips rushes upfield to the passer. The ball's out quick, so he just continues and he sprints all the way around, and you know what he does? He ends up laying out the tight end. The second one, it was a play that had a penalty on it, and Jalen Phillips is on one side of the field. Kenny, Phil, or Kenny Pickett flushes to the other side of the field, and Jalen Phillips runs him down. And Kenny had about a 15-yard head start. And Jalen Phillips ran him down to the boundary. Elite physical tools were the thing that allowed Jalen to splash last year. But you're seeing these rush counters now start to allow Jalen to create his own wins with more consistency. He was credited with seven pressures in this football game, a sack and a half, and a tackle for loss. He individually killed Pittsburgh's first drive after the half. He had a tackle for loss, he flooded the gap, and then he had the sack when Zach Sealer flushed Kenny Pickett the roll of the pocket, and he sacked him. Excellent player. Uh, as far as the rest of the secondary, sounds like Brandon Jones is going to go on IR. That's su- it sucks for the Dolphins. It really does uh, because he is another one of the Energizer Bunny type players. But as I assess what the Dolphins do and don't have, I think there's two players that are obviously going to take a lot of this responsibility. One of them is uh, Eric Rowe. 
as your traditional strong safety type, Eric Rowe, who played this position for the last two years uh, and transitioned into it in 2019, he's going to have to pick it up. And he's more than capable of picking it up. And in some instances, he's, he's a more valuable player in coverage than what Brandon Jones is. Okay, Brandon Jones is a zone coverage, low hole, hook curl, shallow safety, who is excellent against the run, a really good tackler, and tireless effort. You're going to take a little hit on tackling, and you're going to get a little bit more man coverage boost and versatility in row. The other player that I think is well-positioned to take this in stride, and it's a player who played about 30 snaps for the Dolphins, and 20, 20 of those 30 snaps were in coverage. Uh, Duke Riley, linebacker. We've been looking, feeling, trying to find, you know, how, how do we get Duke on the field more? He's obviously, he's not the Elena Roberts-type plug player in the run game and heavy sets. Duke can fly. Duke's really good in coverage. Really good in zone coverage. So hook, curl, shallow, robber. Duke Riley's a player I think is going to take more snaps as a result of the loss of Brandon Jones for however long he is out. I do think Verone McKinley also gives you the possibility, if you feel comfortable with playing him on the back end, to have Javon Holland play more. Let's not forget, Javon Holland, his first season at Oregon, he was exclusively a free safety. His second season at Oregon, he was a box, nickel, hybrid, within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage player. He can do it all. He can do it all. Interested to see if Verone McKinley's emergence and opportunity, he played about 20 snaps uh, and, and was fine. I thought he was fine. You're going to lose some dynamic range on the back end when you have those opportunities. But it's an option. And the Dolphins are going to have to weigh their options. But I think that they still think they're okay here. I think they're okay. They have, they have enough versatile pieces between linebacker types and safety types. They can make it work. And it's going to have to be make it work, right? And every team is in this place where you have to piece it together as best as you can and, and do the things that you want to do. And you might have to take certain calls and plays off the table that you had in the first month of the season. Okay, football is a game of attrition. It happens for all of us. Um, beyond that, defensively, Tip of the cap to Justin Bethel played his rear end off. Tip of the cap to Noah Igbenogany made the big play in the big moment. And I'll say, I'll say this for Noah. Uh, people review the game or people watch it on TV, but Pittsburgh won at him a ton. You're right, they did. But the Dolphins also presented a lot of press man and then played bail technique cover three. What that means is the corners are lined up in the face on the perimeter of wide receivers. And as the, the quarterback gets into a snap cadence, the corners turn their back to the sideline and they start to creep back. And at the snap, they drive out and they're getting death because they're responsible for an entire third of the field, deep. So if you run hitches, if you run five-yard hitches against bail technique or you run five-yard speed outs against bail technique, it's going to be there. It's going to be there. And that was a number of the, the completions that Noah conceded were in those instances. Now, as Noah plays more, the hope, and it's a hope because we've been waiting for development from Noah, but the, the hope 
is he'll develop a little bit better of a feel of how urgently do I really have to drive out of here? Because you watch Xavier Howard on the other side, and sometimes the Dolphins did half field coverages where they weren't asking Noah to do the same thing that they were asking Xavier uh, to do. Rightfully so. Xavier is on a different planet as a player. Xavier doesn't drive out any more urgent than he f- needs to. So he gives himself a, con- a chance to contest every route on the tree. Noah's not there yet. So those shallow completions, yes. And many of them, Noah's driving out because he's responsible for deep third. Now, Pittsburgh almost got a touchdown off Noah on the first possession because they ran a double move on the outside against press man. And Noah was too far upfield on the inside hip of the receiver. So when he ran out, he flattened out. And then I believe it was Deontay Johnson turned up the sideline and Kenny Pickett missed the throw. He laid it out of bounds by about three yards. Tough. I hate to see it. Uh, So there's room for improvement. But this is now two weeks in a row that at the very least, Noah in coverage has made a few plays and disrupted a few throws. He had the game-winning interception. And against Minnesota, he had that pass defense on the sale route against Adam Thielen. It's progress. We'll take progress all day long. Listen, before we go any further, prize picks. Daily fantasy done right. Pick two to five players. If they go more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10x your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's you versus the house and the projections available by prize picks. Prize picks offers projections on any sport, including NFL, NBA, NBA, NHL, PGA, college football, college of basketball, both men's and women's, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, more. I think that paints a pretty good, big, pretty good picture for you for options there. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy with safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in over 30 states. Prize picks, download the app. Go to prizepicks.com to sign up, play daily fantasy sports. First time users receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So you put 100 in, they'll give you another 100. Put 50 in, they'll give you another 50. Using promo code locked on. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So, um, kind of covered the corner situation. We covered the Brandon Jones loss and some players who I thought played well. You know who else I thought played well? Melvin Ingram was really good rushing the passer game. He didn't didn't get home and finish plays, but he was really disruptive, and the precision of his rush counters was what really stood out to me. Um, I would be remiss to not mention and acknowledge the play of Andrew Van Ginkle as well. He was a wild man. Uh, man possessed as far as what he did in this game and the range and playing on the edge. Um, he got a pretty balanced. He played 25, about 25 snaps, uh, pretty even distribution between run defense, pass rush counters. Uh, he had about the same distribution or snap percentage 
that was pass rush versus zone coverage drops and uh, run defense is what Melvin Ingram did. Melvin Ingram just had a, about a 10 snap larger sample size. Um, shout out Javon Holland, Xavier Howard, and Noah Igbenogany, the only three players to play every defensive snap for the Dolphins throughout the course of this contest. So uh, there were a lot of strong contributions. And as I reflect on, on defensively what the Dolphins have done the last couple of weeks, you know, against Minnesota, obviously the levees broke with the big run by Dalvin Cook. And that ended up blowing the game open. But prior to that point in the game, and that was with, what, five minutes left? Miami conceded 16 points. And from a, a yardage perspective, make sure I get it right here, uh, the Vikings finished the game with 234, and they needed a 70-yard run, uh, so excuse me, a 50-yard run to get to 234. Dolphins played Minnesota, conceded through 55 minutes, and they all count. I get it, so you ended up losing the game, and it sucks. But that was last week, right? 180 yards and 50, 180 yards and 55 minutes and 16 points. And then you play Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh in two four-minute offense situations to close the game in the final five minutes of the game goes out and puts up one-third of their yardage total because the Dolphins are playing zone soft, looking to keep Pittsburgh out of the end zone. So through 55 minutes against Pittsburgh, Miami could see about 250 yards and 10, or, and 10 points for all of the concern that we have. And yeah, Pittsburgh offensively is bad. We knew that. Minnesota, maybe not as good as their record indicates, but at the end of the day, you are what your record says that you are. And they have explosive talent and Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen and Miami for the vast, I mean, Miami statistically dominated the game. So that's where I am. I'm finding my solace defensively amidst the questions for the secondary. The Dolphins have been forced into playing a more zone heavy style this season. And that, if the Dolphins put defensively the effort forth that they put the last two weeks is very sustainable. And now the challenge is let's again, continue to play a more balanced complementary brand of football. How do you do that? You get down the red zone and you score touchdowns. You continue to create explosive. I'm waiting for the explosive plays that end in touchdowns. Dolphins have all these big plays. Think about, think about the explosive plays the Dolphins have had the last month. Teddy to Tyree kill. He didn't score in Cincinnati, in the Cincinnati game. He didn't score. All the explosive and big plays you had in this game, you didn't score. All the yards that you had against Minnesota, I mean, your touchdown passes were what? Four-yard touchdown pass and a three-yard touchdown pass, Teddy to Mike Isecki. Where are the explosive plays that end in scores? goes back to the very first thing we talked about with Tua Tagovailoa. Little things, the fine details, the ball placement. When you got Tyreek Hill running an in-breaking pattern, don't take your foot off the gas at the top of the break because if you 
take that break in stride and Tua throws it to you, you're going to score. Or Tua, you could argue the a throw that was just as easy was to go over the top to Jalen Waddle and lay it out there and put it on a line. Let him run underneath of it. Because if you take that throw too, he's going to score. And then one of these runs, one of these days, these runs are going to pop, and the Dolphins are magically, we're going to look up, they're going to rush for 220 yards in a game, we're going to see how did it happen, and it's because finally these runs where they are just getting tripped up, coming through the point of attack, they're going to keep their feet, they're going to make one cut, make the safety miss, and boom, you're going to get a 50-yard touchdown run. It's coming. You know the worst, statistically speaking, the worst tackling defenses in the NFL? the Week 8 opponent, the Detroit Lions. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. That's going to do it for us today on the show. Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Enjoy the rest of this week in Club Dub. We're going to try and get back in again next weekend against Detroit, but this is going to do it for Pittsburgh. We're putting them to bed. We're moving forward from here. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 